take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We've been in a series that we have titled, What's on Your Mind? What's on Your Mind? It's uh, so much in the Scripture dealing with the mind and how we think and how we... Uh, our imagination takes things and, and works with that and how Satan tries to affect your mind, but also how the, the mind uh, and our thinking controls us in a, in a tremendous way. So we, we're looking here again in this, in this series in uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll begin reading verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through uh, sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." to inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. Verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy." Verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Gird Up the Mind. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. Lord, sure do need your presence in your hand, Lord, in the preaching of your word. Lord, my ideas and there's not what they need. They need to hear from the word of God. They need the spirit of God to speak to hearts. Lord, you've drawn us together. Now, Lord, may you be glorified in all that's said and done. May we learn, may we be strengthened, may we be encouraged, Lord, to walk with you and to serve you. And Lord, may we understand the importance of the mind and how that it needs to be girded up against the things of this world that we might live for you in a greater way. 
Bless now the preaching of thy word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. In the first part of this chapter here, and the reason I read all that instead of just jumping down to verse 13, because you need to understand something about it. In the first part of this chapter here, we, Peter's speaking about the blessed hope that we have in salvation through Jesus Christ. Look there with me in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's important. We need to, you know, that's something that, that we've got to consider tonight when we're looking at this. But he goes on, he speaks about an abundant mercy. How that abundant mercy that he saved us unto a lively hope because Jesus rose from the dead. He speaks also of the inheritance that is incorruptible that is reserved for the saved in verse 4. You drop down to verse 5 and he reassures us that we're kept by the power of God unto salvation and not by our own power. He goes on and he speaks about the trials of our faith which are there to purify us and to strengthen our faith in the Lord. What he's doing is he's trying to emphasize something here before he gets to verse 13. If you look at the verses from, from beginning verse 1 down through verse 12, he's emphasizing that we are to walk in the hope that we have. And all those things list the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. you got salvation. you got an eternal security. you got, you got a home in heaven. You've got mercy. You've got, and it goes, the list goes on that we mentioned here. And he's talking about walking in the hope, what God has already laid out for you and me. Hey, listen, it's something that, hey, ought to stir our hearts. And say, man, look what I've got here. But then when he gets to verse 13, he changes and he starts talking about walking in holiness. He goes from hope to holiness. It's good for us to understand what we have because it, it should stir our hearts when we think upon those things. But can I tell you something? One of the things that's needed is that as we think upon those things, it should bring about actions in our lives. It should bring about a walk of holiness. Now understand here, a lot of people, when they think about holiness, they're thinking about the holiness of, of Jesus Christ, and the holiness of God. But really what it is, the holiness that he's speaking of here, because we still have the flesh, he's talking about living a life that is dedicated and sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about living for Christ. He's talking about when you, when you sin against the Lord, you get it right with the Lord, and you get up and you go on and serve God. Living a life of holiness. One that people can look at your life and say, that is a Christian. An example of Christ. Doesn't mean that you are in perfection. We're not going to be in perfection here because we still have the old flesh. One day we'll get a new body. This old body's going to lay down. This old sin body's going to lay down. But we're going to get a new body one day. But hey, listen, it will be perfection then. So we see that. But I want us to look here in verse 13. I want you to notice that the very first word of verse 13 says, wherefore. Wherefore. The wherefore should affect our thinking. The word wherefore, anytime you see that, wherefore or therefore, you need to go back and see what the wherefore is about or the therefore is about. Well, we just read that. 
We read that there. It says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, why do you gird up the loins of your mind? Wherefore is referencing all that was said previously because of the hope that the Lord has given us in salvation, because of his abundant mercy, because of the inheritance that he has reserved for you and me, because we're kept by the power of God, because he is strengthening our faith, because of, his, of the unspeakable joy that is ours. He says, because of all of that, wherefore, because of all of that that he just spoke of, he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird them up. He said, this is the reason that you need to gird up the loins of your mind, because you have all this. He said, it should stir your mind. When you think upon that, that the Lord has done for you and doing in your life, you ought to tighten up and protect your mind. That's what he's talking about. Tighten up, protect your mind. You're thinking. Satan in this world is seeking to get your mind. We've talked about this over and over. We talk about it every week so far when we generally when we get into, into this study here. But Satan wants to get to your mind and, and, and he wants it to cause it to run loose with no standards or restraints or restrictions to it. Satan wants your mind just to go here and there and, and whatever you see and whatever you hear, think upon it and, and, and look at it and go after it. He wants that mind to be, like as some people say, a loose cannon, taking in anything like a sponge. And yet the Bible says that we're to gird up the mind. And the reason Satan wants to do that is because uh, and the Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if Satan can get you to accept anything and think on anything, let your mind just run loose. Let your mind just be open to any thoughts. Let your mind just be open to what the world puts in it. Let your mind be open to what Satan wants to put in it. And let all that just kind of roll around in there before long that takes, takes place. For as you think in your heart, so are you. It begin to affect your life and pull you away from the things of God. And so Satan is working to get you to have a loose mind. And when I talk about a loose mind, that is the acceptance and thinking upon anything and everything that this world and Satan would try to bring our way. So, you see, if you're saved, Satan can't get your soul. Therefore, he's after your mind and your heart that he might destroy your testimony and that he might stop you from living for the glory of God. That's what he's after. He wants to destroy that because you see, you are the, uh, uh, you've heard it over and over over the years. You may be the only Bible somebody reads. Well, not only may you be the only Bible somebody reads, but you may be the only testimony of Christ that somebody is going to ever get. Therefore, it's so important that we live a life that brings honor and glory, glory, glory to the Lord. Well, we're to gird up the mind, the Bible says there in verse 13. Verse 13 says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Hope to the end of for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But first of all, he says, gird up the loins of your mind. That's to put your thoughts together. To have a disciplined mind. Bringing your thoughts under the control of the Holy Spirit and under the control of the Word of God. Not left loose and open to, to the flesh. The thought that Peter is using here when he says, gird up the loins of your mind. We know that this is the loins here. In that day and time, men wore robes. They were different than ladies' robes. 
They had a, uh, they were made with a split in them. The men wore a, a belt, you might call it, a sash or whatever around the center section generally. It could have been a rope or whatever. But they wore something around the midsection. And one of the reasons that they did that is so that they could gird up that robe. Here's what they would do. That robe, they would reach down if they had to run or if they was going into battle to fight and they didn't need to be hindered by something swinging on their legs and stuff, they would reach back, grab the back part. It was like a, a skirt, two flaps of it. They'd reach back, grab the back one, pull the front one like that, and they'd bring it up, and they would tuck it into the belt. That brought it up around their, their knees, their legs. They could run, they could fight, and it did not hinder them. And so Peter is using a reference of that and what it is, and when he's talking about that, he's talking about not being hindered, not letting your mind be hindered by something. And Satan is always trying to hinder your mind, trying to stop you, trying to get your mind on the wrong things, trying to get your mind to think wrong about something, trying to, uh, it might be uh, bringing anger or jealousy or, or envy or, or, or harboring different thoughts uh, in your mind. But he's continuing trying to, well, he says, listen, you need to gird up your mind so it's not hindered, so it doesn't hinder you. He says, bring it into check. Bring it into a position where it's under control, where it's disciplined. So when you gird up the loins of your mind, your thoughts upon, the, you need to begin to think upon the return of Christ and live accordingly. Continually throughout the scripture, one of the themes that you're going to find is it talks about the return of Christ. The coming day of the Lord. He's talking about the Lord's day. The day of wrath. On and on goes the different references and different things, talking about the end of times, talking about the coming of the Lord, all the way back into the Old Testament. And it said, listen, you're to think upon that because it's to motivate you. Bring it into control under those thoughts. By doing so, you'll escape many other worldly things that would attack your mind and hinder your spirit, hinder you spiritually. Not only that, but in girding up the mind, we got to take captive the wrong thoughts and imaginations. I'm going to say something here tonight, and, and some may say, no, not me, but then you're, then you're lying. Every person in this room at some time has some type of wrong thoughts. It may not be the same wrong thoughts as somebody else. It could be envy. It could be anger. We go on. It could be uh, the flesh uh, of lust. It could be... Uh, uh, different attitudes of the mind, and on goes so many different things that would cross your mind. Uh, even thinking, well, you, you could eat, Satan would love for you to even sit there and think, preacher didn't shake my hand. Or what he's mad about. Oh, did you see the way she looked at me? And that's going through your mind. Oh, they think they're better than me. You have all these thoughts. What is needed is that we got to bring those thoughts into control. They got to be girded up so that Satan doesn't get control. We got to bring those, those thoughts and girding up the mind. We got to take them captive, the wrong thoughts and imaginations. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations, that's thoughts that, that they're not there for any particular reason necessarily. They're imaginations. They're not something that's necessarily true. 
They're not something that's necessarily right. But they're imaginations that go through your mind. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Things that, that is trying to replace uh, the, your thoughts about the Lord. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to illustrate that because I, I think we need to understand this. Several years ago, I was preaching a, a, a revival in Mattoon, Illinois, and, and I went there probably, I don't know, six or eight years in a row preached. We had some tremendous meetings. But I remember this one particular meeting that I was preaching this revival in Mattoon, Illinois. There had been about 14 or so people had been saved that week, and and the people were going out. I mean, the, the church was on fire. They was going out during the day, and they was they was inviting people. I'm talking about through the week, not just on Saturday. So they was going out through the week. They was inviting people. Everybody they seen, man, they was trying to get them to come in. The house was packed. People were getting saved. Christians was getting right. God was moving. We was having prayer meeting every night. We'd get off into one little room there, and we'd get in there, and men begin to pray and call on God, and God was moving. When the guys come in, he said, hey, he said, I... He said, I just thought I'd let you know, preacher. He's talking to me. And Brother Frederick was standing there, the, the pastor. He said, thought, I'll let you know. He said, I got a couple Mormons coming tonight. I thought, oh. It's okay. We got, we had prayer and we prayed for them and everything. And I told uh, Brother Frederick, I said, you got some two or three good deacons that know the Word of God? He said, yeah. I said, well, here's what needs to be done. I said, when those Mormons come, I said, you need to put all three of those deacons around those Mormons and block them in. He said, why? I said, I'll tell you why. I said, Satan doesn't like it that people's be getting saved almost every night. I said, if somebody gets saved tonight, I guarantee you those Mormons are going to make a beeline to them and try to sow their falsehoods into them and pull them away. That's how they work. He said, okay, so he talked to those deacons, and sure enough, they showed up, and they sat over on this side over here kind of towards the back, and it was kind of unique how they, they come in, and it was so crowded, they had to squeeze in, and this was in the spring and everything, and, and the way the, the auditorium was made on a slope like this, and it was made in a, in a fan shape, and got them over in the corner over there like that there, and they just sit down around them. Folks got, some folks got saved that night. They was having a handshake, and the Mormons got up, and they was trying to get up there, and they said, well, we'll go up and congratulate them. The guy, deacons wouldn't let them. They began to talk to them about the Lord. And, and uh, so they were sharp enough, they got the two Mormons separated. Now, always generally in the Mormons, what you'll have is you'll have one that is the, the leader. The, he's, been, he's been a Mormon for a long time, and he's training the other one. And... They separated them. They figured out who the trainee was. And they got him offside and began to witness to him and give him the Word of God and begin to take Scripture and show him the truth from the Word of God. And they had this other one over here, and he couldn't get to the people, and he couldn't get to his, his trainee. They had him captivated. They was captive, held captive. 
And they couldn't do it. And finally, he said, we got to go. We got to go. Come on. And got his trainee and left. The whole purpose of that was this. Yes, to get the gospel to them. They got the gospel. But to keep them from doing damage to young Christians. It's like this. The Bible says to bring every imagination and all, every, every thought into captivity. Let's say that this is your mind up here in the front. A thought has the freedom basically, unless it's held captive by something, to go anywhere in your mind back and forth. And as it goes by, pick up something to it and add to the thought. And as it goes along, and the, the longer that you think on it, before long, it'll pick up something, and it's, it's got a little bigger. And as the thoughts continue back and forth in your mind, it begins to look for things that, would, that it could add to that that would be more influential in your mind. Before long, your mind has picked up all these things and traveling back and forth, and your mind is going from one extreme to the other, and you're thinking on these things without any type of restraint. You're just letting it go. You're just letting, you're just letting the thoughts run back and forth in your mind. And so what happens then, if it's the wrong type of thoughts, if it's the wrong type of things, it does harm to you and it begins to affect your life and begins to affect your thinking, begins to affect your actions. So when the scripture says that we're to bring them into captivity, it's like this. Hunter and, and, and why? come here a minute. Let's see, I, I need you also, uh, Dustin. We're going to let... We're going to let Hunter be a bad thought. <laughs> I don't know why, it just kind of fits. <clears throat> so, in the mind, the thought is, is going back and forth in the mind. Okay, he has the ability to pick up and begin to do stuff. But here's what it says. It says that we are to bring that thought into captivity. Come on. And then, we're to bring it into captivity. No. I don't want you fighting. I just want, I just want to illustrate something. Here's basically what it is. We bring it into captivity. You got the Holy Spirit. You got the Word of God. And you've got a desire to please and serve God. And you bring this thing into captivity. No longer can this thought have freedom to roam your mind back and forth. Say, so what do you mean? With the Word of God, Holy Spirit saying, listen, this isn't correct. This, remember this verse. And the Word of God begins, you apply the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You begin to quote Scripture. You begin to turn to... You, you, this thought is a wrong type of thought. You use Scripture to bring it into captivity. You ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. You have a desire and a will to please God. Remember when I was talking about the wherefore? The mind then goes to the wherefore, thinking about what all God has done for you, saved you, preserved you, washed you. Man, I tell you what, and you begin to look about you're, you're an heir to, to the child of, you're a child of God, you're an heir to the kingdom of God, and, and you've got that blessed hope, and you've got eternal security, and you've got all this that comes together, and you're thinking about the wherefore. 
What you have just done, you have stopped that thought. Now, this thought is there. It's there. It's in your mind somewhere. Every, I mean, once you have a thought, you cannot just remove the thought. It's there. Okay? So it has to be put captive so it can't go anywhere. It's stopped before it can do damage. It's stopped before it can cause, cause it to grow into something bigger and even do more damage in your heart and life. You follow me? So we got to bring it into captivity. That's girding up, bringing into control your thoughts and your mind. Girding up your thoughts through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, through a desire to, uh, when you think upon the things of God and how that that, because many times what happens is instead you've got to change your thinking. That's what he's doing then. That wherefore. Okay, thank you, fellas. It's the wherefore. And so we must, we must think on the right things and put the right things in to go to the wherefore there in our minds. When our outlook is centered on Christ, when we get that thought, we got Dustin that was that, that thinking, when our outlook is on, on Christ and, and his soon return, it, 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 it determines our outcome in our daily life. Otherwise, if you get a thinking about the Lord coming back, hey, listen, you're going to want to please him. You don't want to be found doing the wrong things and thinking about the wrong things when the Lord comes back. And so it, it helps our outcome in, in what we do. What we think upon affects our attitude, and that determines our actions. We used Philippians 4, 8 before, but it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's part of bringing it into captivity with that verse. It's a filter. It locks it in. The Christian who's looking for the glory of God has a greater motivation to obey the Lord and His Word. Otherwise, you have to purposely think on the Lord. Purposely. You have to train your mind, as we said, I believe, in the last message that we preached. You've got to train your mind. When you get up in the morning, I want my mind to think on the things of God. When there's idle time, here's what happens. When there's idle time, that's when those thoughts come in and out. That's why you got to train your mind to take those idle thoughts, put them in captivity, and then think on the things of God. Think on good things. Because our eyes are always seeing the things of this world. There's no way around that. You're going to be around things. You're going to hear things. You're going to see things. Uh, you're going to experience things that has to be brought into captivity so that you don't dwell upon them. You say, well, I don't quite understand. Well, it's like this. Abraham and Lot is a good example of that. Abraham had his eyes on a heavenly city. He was looking for that city that God had for him. He had a desire to do what God wanted. And his foresight, he was looking and he was thinking upon what God wanted for him. But Lot, his thinking was upon money, the material things of this world, the pleasures of the world. And look at the difference in their lives. To gird up the loins of the mind, you must seek to have a sober mind. Look here in verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. A sober mind is not a dull mind, like some would think. 
but a mind that is serious about the things of God. It's serious about the things of God. You know what? Many have lost that seriousness of, of the day and time in which we live. No longer are we really serious about it. Say, so how do you know, preacher? How many people do you see on the altar praying and crying over lost souls? We've lost some of the seriousness of the day in which we live. We talk about the coming of the Lord. But how serious are we about the things of God? And we've lost that seriousness. I mean, when I'm talking about seriousness, I'm talking about that it, it, it really affects your heart and life. Serious about souls being saved. Serious about revival in your life and the lives of others in the church. Serious about those who are away from God getting back in church and, and getting their hearts right with the Lord. Serious about looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Serious about a walk with God. Serious about a time in prayer with God that means something. Serious about a relationship that is building continue with the Lord. Serious. A man told me one time years ago, when I was in New Franklin, we was out, we was out uh, knocking doors and passing out gospel tracts, inviting people to church and trying to witness some folks. And we was driving down a country road and he said, Preacher, I'm just going to tell you something. Because we'd talk to some people and they're like, eh. He said, the way you preach, he said, the way the church is, he said, you really got to be serious. To want to go to church here. I said, well, there's not a, that's, that's not a bad thing. Because, you know, when you stop and think about a soul dropping off into a lake of fire, that's pretty serious. When you stop and think about a loved one who's away from the Lord and they're going to lose, every, lose their rewards in heaven and, and their life is being destroyed here, that's a pretty serious thing. When you think about our children... The kids down in the nursery down here that haven't reached the age of accountability yet. In a few years, they will reach the age of accountability. you got grandkids. and got newborn grandchild just this past week. When you think about where are they going to spend eternity, it's a serious thing. When you think about mom and dad, your kids, how they're going to turn out one day, even if they have made a profession of faith, it's a serious thing. Sometimes we're more serious about everything else in this world than we are when it comes to thinking about the things of God. He said that we're to have, to have a sober mind, gird up that mind, a sober mind. We've lost that. When our minds are so controlled by the world and by the flesh, it makes it very difficult to think seriously about the things of God. You know, and I'm not saying it's because I'm any type of a preacher, but how often do you go home and maybe sit down with the Word of God and, and go back over the message or think about what the message was? And how does it apply to self? Take some serious thinking. So we've got to get serious about the things of God. We must gird up our minds, bring them into control of the Spirit of God. A sober mind is also one that has a Spiritual balance to it. It's, 
many go to seed over just one little area in their spiritual lives and, and they leave the other areas of their life undone. Hey, listen, that a serious mind says, hey, listen, there's things I need to, all things in my life need to be of a good balance and, and living for the Lord. Not only are we to have a sober mind, but he goes on, we're to have in this mind that is girded up a mind that is anchored by hope. Look at verse 13 again. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and notice he says, and hope to the end for grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The type of hope that he's speaking of here is not something, well, I hope it happens. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something that has already been promised, that's coming, that is your hope. You have salvation. The hope, uh, and hope to the end for grace that is to be brought unto you by the, uh, at the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes. In this world of woes, we need that mind of hope. That is a, a confidence in that which the Lord has promised. A lot of times we, what we need to do is we need to go back. We must think often upon the wherefore if we're going to have hope. All those things that we talked about before is what he said our hope is. That blessed hope. Salvation in Jesus Christ. Eternal security. Home. He's going by his power. That, that, um, uh, that, that, that joy unspeakable. That faith that is being strengthened through the trials of life. All of those things that we mentioned a while ago, he said, listen, he said, your hope should look back to that and to the coming of the Lord. And it should lift you from the despairs of this life. A lot of Christians don't think upon their hope. They don't think upon the wherefore. They look at the gloom and doom all around them. They look at the problems. They look at the difficulties. They look at the struggles. They look at all the, the fighting and the feuding. They look at the, the immorality. They look at all the wickedness and the vileness and they're, they're downtrodden and they're pulled down. We should look at our hope. We should think upon hope. If you dwell on the woes of, of this life, you'll live a defeated Christian life. Only one day to get to heaven and only then realize that the Lord has, well, all that the Lord has for you all the time, even while you was on this earth. We miss so much because we don't think upon the hope that we have even now. Do you realize that, hey, listen, if you go through scripture, let's just take one little thing here. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. That was the scripture that Sister Lucille Brown was her favorite scripture. We preached and used it at a funeral, but he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hey, that's a hope that he said, I'm going to be there for you. It doesn't matter what comes. He said, I'm going to be right there with you. We have a, 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 a heavenly host that uh, 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 angels that encampeth round about us to protect us, the Bible says in the Psalms. I'm glad I got that. There's a hope that we have. And sometimes Christians, boy, I tell you what, it's hard to get them excited about the things of God. You know why? Because you don't think upon the wherefore. You don't think about the hope. He said, listen, if you're going to gird up your mind, if 
you get serious about it, he said, listen, you're going to have to be able to think about that hope. He said, you need to do some thinking on what you've got. You know, if you was going to build a house and you sat down and and you looked at your bank account and you had $35 in there, wouldn't be much hope. But if you sit down and you're going to build a house and you look over here and and somebody says, here, I thought I'd give this to you for building your house, and they hand you a check for a million dollars. You know what? You'd say, I think I can get this house built. And you've got hope. You wouldn't be scratching your head and worrying about it as much. My friend, listen, understand. We ha our minds have to be, brought the, have to be gird up. When the outlook is gloomy, try the upward look. When things around you seem like they're going through, you're going through difficulties, look to the Lord. Do you ever stop and think about the fact that it has to be dark outside before you can see the beautiful stars shine? Unless you see some of those early morning stars or one in early evening. But I mean to see the whole galaxy, to see everything above you, to see the, the handiwork of God. It's got to get dark before you can see it. And in the day and time in which we live, as things get dark, as we, as we struggle and as we go through difficulties, the Lord stands out so much brighter if we'll look to Him. If we'll think upon Him. If we'll gird up the loins of our minds to keep our minds on the wherefore, to keep our minds serious and focused on the hope that we have. With a girded mind of hope, the believer will experience the grace of God even here and now, not just in eternity. Looking for the return of the Lord strengthens our faith and hope in difficult days. and It gives us more of the grace of God. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 12 and 13 says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope, for that blessed hope, and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That ought to stir your heart. But are you thinking about it that way? Too many times we're going, woe is me, look how bad the economy is, look how bad the prices are, look at the inflation, look at the gas prices, look at this, look at that, look at that. Oh, but you need to get your eyes and think upon the blessed hope, the return of Jesus Christ. And that will help you keep your thinking in perspective, in perspective as you do that. We need to look unto Jesus Christ with our whole heart. Gird up the mind by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. Choosing who and what will have control of your mind. Don't just allow any access. Get serious about the things of God and His Word. I read this today and I thought, boy, this fits. It says, your mind is a garden. Your thoughts are seeds. You can grow flowers or you can grow weeds. And every one of us 
That's exactly what our minds are. We can grow the flowers that bring honor and glory to God. Or we can just let her go. And all you're going to get is the weeds of this life. Bring those thoughts that shouldn't be there into captivity with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the wherefore, thinking upon the hope of the Lord. Bring them into captivity. Therefore, you begin to think upon the good things. And you bring that mind where it's not unleashed and running wild. We live in a day and time where we have so much. Our cell phones, they got, they got all kinds of things. They got TikTok. They got Facebook. They've got Snapchat. They've got all this stuff. Then our TVs, we've got, uh, uh, cable TV. We've got satellite TV. We've got TV here, TV there. We can got computers. We look at the internet. We got all kinds of things that we're continually putting in our mind. My friend, be careful. You may be letting it run free. Put some restraints on it. Put some restraints on it. Gird it up and think on that which is good. Let's bow. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercies of God. Help us to bring into captivity every thought. Help us to gird up the loins of our mind. Help us, Lord, to be sober, to think seriously about the things of God and living for the Lord. Help us get serious about these things. Lord, help us to think upon that hope. Lord, that Jesus Christ is coming back. And it should spur my heart to live for you. And stir me, Lord, to put you first. And to reach the lost. And to stand firm for that which is right. Have your will and way, Lord, tonight. Strengthen us, I pray, in Jesus' name.